turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 6. And I believe that we will find ourselves in the book of Ephesians for at least two more weeks, counting today, maybe one more week next week, and possibly one more teaching after that before we land the plane. And that's good because we started Ephesians in January, so it hasn't even been a year, so no one's in trouble. Uh, You don't want to spend too long (laughs) in any one book. That's actually not true. You can take as long as you want. But the book of Ephesians has been challenging me and growing you, I assume, and maturing us and instructing us. And as we come to a close, maybe two, three more at the most teachings in the book of Ephesians, I want you to get excited about the next book we're going to study. Okay, I want you to be excited about refocusing our attention and readdressing our foundation on the person and the work of Jesus Christ. We're going to go to the Gospel of Luke. Okay, the Gospel of Luke, there's four Gospels. All of them are narratives of the story of Jesus Christ, the Gospel of Luke, written from Luke himself. Luke was a physician, a doctor. It sounds real elevated, but really he was a slave. He was a bondservant. He was owned by a guy named Theophilus. And Theophilus was his master. And Luke wrote two books, two books he wrote. And we'll get into this in a couple of weeks in the introduction time. But he wrote two books. And when he addressed his books, he said, Dear Theophilus. And he wrote it to his master. Now, the cool thing is, is historians don't really know who Theophilus was. They actually don't know if he was a real person. Some actually speculate that he was made up in totality, a fake person. Because when you wrote letters in that day, you would be killed for it. If you talked about the gospel then, you would suffer greatly. And so writing a letter to Theophilus, it could have been esoteric because you know what Theophilus means? Theophilus means lover of God. Theophilus, the lover of God. And so Luke wrote the book of Acts and the book of Luke Maybe to a person named Theophilus, but for sure to people who loved God. And listen to this. His intention was that his audience would become Theophiluses, would become lovers of God. That's our goal when we study the word, when we do our devotionals, when we repent of our sin, when we fellowship with the brethren, when we take communion, when we sing the songs, is in order that we would have our expansion and our love of God grown. It's the whole deal. It's all about him. As a matter of fact, I was praying with my three kiddos on the bridge on the way here driving. I always hit pause on the music we're listening to, and we pray over the expanse of the bridge before we get here we, every single Sunday. I was praying with my kids, and I was praying for their Sunday school teachers. And I was praying, God, thank you for the teachers that are going to teach them stories today that are about God. And last week, they learned the story of the Tower of Babel, which is really a story about God. And before that, they learned other stories in the Old Testament that are stories about God. And tonight, we're going to look at a story in here which is about God. And, And in the Gospel of Luke, it's a story about God. And every story is about God. So we would be Theophiluses, lovers of God, people of God. It's the impetus, the power, the presence is God. Okay, it's not about you. It's not about me. It's about him. That's when life gets fun. I'm not even messing with you because your life's going to be messy, just so you know. Sorry. Sorry, just paraphrasing John 16, 30, it's going to be messy, okay? Oh, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. I'm good. And if I'm good, you're good. We can do this. We can make this. And I am, I'm the first one to vote for a non-messy life. Like, I'll be the first one. Can I sign up for that? It's like, yeah, it's not, it doesn't work, though. It's a scam. It's a scam, you know? Seven steps to a non-messy life. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. It's going to be narnar. It's going to be weird. It's going to be crazy. And God says, yeah, make sure that you bring me in the story, though, because it's about me, not you. Make sure and look to me and not yourself, lest you be discouraged in your souls. Remember what the writer to the Hebrews said in chapter 12. So now as we come to the end of the, of the story, 
in Ephesians chapter 6. Paul has been guiding us on this journey in the plane, and we've now put our seats in their upright position, and our bags are stowed away, and we're ready to land and to get off and go to war. Okay, read verse 10 of chapter 6 with me. Finally, he says, it's kind of like, therefore, because of everything I've covered, finally, because everything is established in chapters 1 through 6, now, he says, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Some of you guys pronounce that the willies of the devil. I understand. And that's okay. The devil gives me the willies too, you know. <laughs> stand against the willies of the devil. Literally, in the Greek, that word is methodia or methodia, okay? And it means the methods, the methods of the devil, that he has certain methods he uses on you and on you and on you and on you, and he has certain ways that he targets you and says, oh, yeah, I got a method for him. I got a method for her. I know how to take them out. He says, hey, 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 be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might because, man, you got some bad guys after you you got some things you need to be aware of. And he says it this way. Put on the whole armor of God, verse 11, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but, but, but we do wrestle against principalities and against powers and against the rulers of the darkness of this age and against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. What? I'm not going to assume to be able to teach these four different categories and ranking systems of the demonic realm. But Paul lists a bunch of bad guys. Finally, my brethren, go out there and be nice to people. Go out there and have a good time. Make sure your shoes have double knots in them. You know? What's his final instruction? He's like, oh yeah, before we close this chapter, (laughs) let me just remind you that there are bad guys after you. They're real bad. They're not even half bad. They're real, real, real bad. And I don't know how that sits with you this morning, but I wake up and I want things just to go normal. I want my coffee to be hot and smooth and effective and my kids to be sleeping in till the whole day, you know, just like, <laughs> just sleep, children, you know, it's like this, uh. <laughs> anyways. But no, he says, he says, it's time to war up. It's time to man up. F- finally, my brethren, stand strong in the Lord. Why? How? Because, he tells us, we got some stuff going on. Verse 13. Therefore, therefore, because of this, take up the whole armor of God. I like how he says the whole armor. Not just your favorite part. Hey, everyone, there's a big war. Grab something. You know, grab a piece. You ever seen those movies where they like have a war scene and they go get the peasants and the farmers? Like, we're going to get attacked. Everyone show up to the battle scene and guys show up with like a broom. You're like, you're going to sweep the enemy? Like, you know, let me help you before I die. He says, no, no, you got you to armor up. You got to get strong in the Lord and the power of his might first, foundation. And then you got to get shored up, geared up, warred up, armored up, manned up. And he tells us how to do it. He tells us right here how to do it. Verse 13, take up the whole armor of God. That's the second time we've seen that phraseology, whole armor of God. Why? That you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Stop right there and just consider this because we won't even make it this far in today's teaching time. I need you to see this though. It's a call to arms and it's a call to stand. 
This is so simple and so clear, yet so powerful and so productive. He's calling Christians everywhere to just simply stand in the strength of the Lord, in the power of his might, and with the full armor of God on. What do you do? Stand. You just stand there. You stand there and you take on the onslaught of the enemy for the rest of your life. All through your life, you are going to be taking hits and taking on water and taking on ammo that's shot at you and arrows. All your What are you supposed to do? Armor up and be the hands and feet of Jesus Christ on the earth. Be the odd man, the odd duck, the odd family, the odd person out. That when everyone else says, hey, you know what we should do? Let's change the rules to match our wants. You know that's what's happening right now. Humanity, society wants things that aren't right. And so what they do is they change the rules. They move the boundaries. They change the definition. They change the way things are ordered in order that we can have convenience and what we want. The Bible, though, doesn't change. Have you noticed that? Unless you use an X-Acto knife, don't do it. It doesn't change. It doesn't need to change. As a matter of fact, there is something that needs to change. It's you and I. And we change our lifestyles to be more comfortable with the Word of God, not changing the Word of God to comfort our lifestyles. And the way you do that is you find out what the book says, and you say, that's what it says, huh? All right. Well, if I stand up for that, I may get hit. It doesn't say to stand up and start hitting back and getting all crazy and volatile and attacking and rioting and picking. It doesn't say that at all. But it does say for Christians, you better, st- you better have an opinion there. Better be biblical. Better honor God. It better honor Jesus. You better have a verse for it. And when you do it, you better put your shield up because you're going to be taking darts because it's, it's going to hurt. And I, I think, though, I, I do believe that if Christians... Or to just stand. Just stand tall, okay? You don't stand violent and stand kicking and stand hitting. Just stand. Oh, yeah, that's, that's actually not true. I don't believe that. I actually believe this is true. I'm going to stand. I'm going to take, take what I get in, in our culture for believing this way. And right now, there are dozens and hundreds and thousands and millions of Christians that are just too scared to, to, to say what the Bible says about heaven and about hell and about sin and about righteousness and about the judgment to come, to quote Paul in the book of Acts chapter 17, when, when he preached. How are you going to stand? How are you going to do this? He gives us the order right here. Stand strong. Be strong, man. In the Lord. And in the power of his might. He goes on to say, verse 14, Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth. This is what we know as the belt of truth. In the Roman days when a soldier would get ready, the belt would be the last thing to go on after everything else. Because the belt kind of cinched it all together. And without that belt of truth, you guys think truth is important these days? Yeah. <laughs> How many of you guys, when you do business deals, you're like, just give me half truth and the rest just blatant lies. You know, just blatant lies. Let's just, I, I like that. It kind of makes it interesting. No, you like, you want truth, like nothing but the truth. I was meeting with Fred Polstowaite recently. He's a banker at, at Oregon Coast Bank a couple months ago, actually. And we talked about banking. And he said for his history at the bank there and all the loans he's done and all the relationships, he says what has helped him in all of the relationships is total honesty, absolute honesty when it comes to money. You got to tell me everything and nothing will go wrong. Everything will be right because numbers don't lie. And here's the deal. Truth, truth truth. Jesus said in John 8 that the devil is the father of all lies. He said in John 10, abide in my word, my word abides in you and you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. The belt, the belt, I'm getting ahead of myself. You're going to have to tune in for the next couple weeks to get all the in-depth teaching on this stuff. He says, stand, put the belt on and said also with the preparation, verse 15, I'm sorry, we're in verse 14 still, having put on the breastplate of righteousness. 
This is going to be fun to talk about as well. How do you protect your heart? Righteousness. Do you have a heavy heart, a broken heart? It's due to unrighteousness. Willful sin will break your heart every single time. And God borrows you his righteousness and says, let me just heal your heart preemptively. Boom. And he puts on his armor on you. And he asks us to walk with this righteousness. Verse 15, and having shod your feet. How many of you guys shod your feet today? Okay. I'm going to start saying this at my house. Every, oh, kids, get in the car. Make sure you shod your feet. You know, <laughs> just mess with them. Go all, go all old English on them. Shod your, he says that having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Make sure your feet are covered ready to go. These are the, the gospel, the, the marching orders, because your, your feet is maybe the most important part of your walk. How, how many of you guys think your feet are important? Yeah, how many of you guys, like when you wear dumb shoes, you know it, like later that day, you're like, oh, these shoes are dumb, you know, don't wear these, you know, oh, you know, you make sure what's on your feet work. I mean, you actually spend money on shoes because, oh, these are good. I could wear these all day. You know, I could go to war with these. I could do a little dance with these. I could do something, you know. These are good shoes. He says, you know what your shoes are? It's so important. So important. So active. Because your feet are active. All day long, you're doing stuff. He says, your feet need to be shod that is covered with the gospel. You want to know what's going to define you, where you're going to walk in, what you're going to lead in, what you're going to minister in? The gospel, the gospel, the gospel, the gospel. You're going to go to places, and you're going to talk to people, and you're going to walk off camera, and he's going to try and follow me, and he did a pretty good job. You know, you're going to come over here. What are you going to lead with? What are you going to have? You're going to have the gospel. It's the gospel. You need it. I need it daily. It doesn't ever change. I just love it. I'm getting ahead of myself. Keep reading. He says this in verse 16. Above all, that doesn't mean more importantly than. It actually means on top of, like, like you would a shield. And on top of, above all, taking the shield of faith, which will be able to quench all of the fiery darts of the wicked one. While you're belted up with truth and breastplated with righteousness and shod with the gospel, you're going to get shot at daily. By the devil himself, his cohorts. And you need to have the shield of faith to quench those fiery darts. In Roman days and in olden days, they would take their wooden shields and soak them in water. So when the fiery darts from the enemy would actually hit them, it'd go out instead of catching on fire and destroying everything. You know how you guys are going to withstand the fiery darts? Faith. I came up with an acronym a while ago just to help define what faith is. It's forgetting all I trust him. Like, I just forget, I got to forget the stuff. I got to forget the circumstances and forget the past and forget how my feelings, okay? Your feelings ever conflict with your faith? And, you know, of course they do. I don't feel saved. Well, what does the Bible say? It says I'm saved. Okay, go with that, you know? I don't feel like an overcomer. What does the Bible say? It says you're an overcomer. Well, go with that, okay? (laughs) I don't feel like loving my spouse. What does the Bible say? Love your spouse. Go with that. Okay, don't go by your feelings. Everything's going to get super weird. Faith, 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 forgetting all I trust in. What do you need to forget today? What do you need to let go of in trusting God? What do you need to just say, you know what? I can't be consumed with this anymore. I need to trust the Lord. I need to believe the promises of God over this stinking thinking. He goes on to say, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. Being watchful to the end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints and for me. He says, pray for me. Why would he say pray for me? Remember, he's in jail, locked up to Roman guards at this time. He could easily fill this sentence and pray for me. I need a new pillow. 
pray for me. They're mean to me. Listen to what he prays for, please. Pray for me too while you're standing strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Pray for me too. Why? Verse 19. Uh, that, I may be, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. Paul, I'm pretty sure you're in jail for opening your mouth and preaching boldly the gospel, and you're asking us to pray that you would be able to open your mouth and preach boldly the gospel. Got it. <laughs> Just making sure. You know, it's, like, it's like, Paul, don't you know they're recording these messages? You're going to get busted. <laughs> Having this phone call through the glass, like, ah. And Paul says, yeah. Did you know that Paul historically... Paul historically looked just like Danny DeVito. Okay, we know. I'm not kidding. He was short, bow-legged, bald, little overweight, crooked nose. Danny DeVito. And here he is in jail. He's like, man, I got to write some letters. I got to encourage some people. And I got to get some prayer cover because I'm not going out quiet. And you guys know that Paul, even in this time, under duress, in jail, is like, what should I do in here? I know. I'll write the letters of the Bible. Redeemed the time, and he wrote Ephesus, and he wrote Ephesians, and Colossians, Philemon, and, and Philippians, there's prison letters. You know that he would get released from jail. He would actually be released, and he would go on tour and plant more churches and visit other churches before he would get arrested again, brought back, and by Caesar, Nero himself commanded off with his head, quiet this rebel rouser, and they, they would kill him. But until then, this guy was the epitome of being strong in the Lord. And he can say to you and say to me, be strong in the Lord, because he wasn't afraid to endure hardship for the gospel of Jesus Christ, because he was following his master who had bled out for him. Jesus Christ, who died, who bled, who with his face like a flint set towards Jerusalem, stiff-armed his homies, his disciples, and said, don't stop me. You guys don't know what you're talking about. I'm living for a kingdom that is coming. I'm doing something that you cannot understand. You will later, though. Trust me. How many of you have been through something you didn't understand at a time until later, and then you got it? You're like, oh, that's what that was. Oh, that was hard stuff right there. But now that I'm through it, whoa, I'm glad I went through it. How many of you have been through something in your life you would have never signed up for? You never, like, oh, yeah, sounds great. But then a year or two or six or ten later, you're like, Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. As crazy as it sounds, that pain, that hardship, that suffering. And Paul had learned to count all things as lost, marching forward for Jesus Christ. He goes on to say, finally, for which the gospel, for which I'm an ambassador in chains, that in it, the gospel, I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Whoa, Paul, crazy. He just ends this letter all crazy-like. I mean, so much instruction has been given. Declaration in chapters one through three, the declaration of what God has done, and then the instruction of what it means to be spirit-filled. How are we supposed to live? He's like, walk in unity, man. Walk in harmony. Walk in purity and all this. And at the very end, he's like, oh, yeah. And man up. Be strong. Put your armor on. There's a war going on. And I don't know about you, but I'm under the impression especially as an American, one of the greatest lies that the devil has ever told is that he doesn't exist. That's just the greatest lie he's ever told. There's all kinds of lies. He's the father of lies. Chapter three is the first lie ever brought into creation. And since then, every lie since then has been brought to the surface from the devil himself. He's the father of lies. He birthed them. But the best lie, the biggest lie is that he doesn't exist. That we're wrestling against flesh and blood. 
that it's the people, it's the spouses, it's the boss, it's the kids, it's the governments, it's the countries, it's the communities around me. They're the problem. Ooh, and Satan just steps back and says, have fun with that. Go to the polls with that. Don't even worry about me. I'm just over here wrecking everything. And Paul says, Paul says, hey, guys, go out. Whoa, 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 whoa. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might and put on the whole armor of God. Why? Why would we do that? And he lists the bad guys because you're about to get something, you know, it's going to get crazy. Let's pray. Lord, we read your word and we're going to study it now. And I pray in Jesus' name that you would anoint this time, Lord. We're here to get charged up, fired up, shored up, armored up, warred up. And I guarantee there's somebody here who's like, I don't know, the guy sounds like he's yelling today. I think I'm going to check out. (laughs) I don't know. I'd rather just, you know, love is my religion. And I get that. That's part of it. But if you are here today and you would say that you have been lulled to sleep and you do not realize that there is an enemy, an adversary, that there is somebody who has a objective, a, a willy, a while, uh, something against you, a plan with your name on it. <sighs> yet, yet, yet. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Amen. Amen. And yet, 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 Lord, you have given us armor, strength, a foundation, and weapons of warfare. And so today as we study God, I pray that you would help us to know our God, to to know our enemy, because he's listed, and to know our weaponry. Lord, thank you for the joy that's in this house. But truly, protect us, mature us, and equip us. Wake us up. If there's someone here who's just straight up, just not whatever, Lord, you got them in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. A couple weeks ago, we were asked at the church here to run an aid station at the race that was supposed to happen last Saturday, the Beta Brew race, and the South Beach Church was going to have a tent. We were going to hand out water right at the top of 50th Street here, but there was that big storm that was scheduled to come through, high winds of about four or five miles an hour. Um, I'm just kidding. You remember, on Saturday, and so they canceled it, and it couldn't happen, and so they changed the race to today. It's a Sunday, and so they knew that they couldn't use our church and our volunteers because it's a Sunday, and we're apparently doing other things on Sundays, and so I I kind of forgot about the race. And so what happened is this morning, I brought my kids to church here and I went outside to do something. I saw runners going, going down the road here. And it wasn't just 10 or 12 or 30 or 100. It was like hundreds and hundreds of run- How many of you guys did not know about the race that happened this morning here in South Beach? What is wrong with you people? <laughs> and and so, so my kids are out here and I remember, I was like, oh yeah, it's, oh yeah. And Pastor Matt came, I was like, what's happening here? I was like, what is, there's so many people that knew about the race and that were running in the race, but there are far, 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 far more people that have no clue about the race and are not running in the race. And, and here were these competitors. I've been in many, many races in my life, so I knew what it was like to stand there. So I started cheering them on. Yeah, yeah, you know, sitting there in my clothes, drinking, you know, coffee. You know, you're doing great out there. I'm doing great here. You know, cheering them on. My point is, it, it reminded me of the message today. And finally, brethren, oh, wait, before you check out, before you go into this whole thing, before you close the book, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. And take up the whole armor of God. He says it twice. Take up the whole armor of God, and then he lists it. Why? To, to withstand the wiles of the devil, man. 
Because you're in a race, you're in a battle, and there's so many people that don't even know, don't even know what's happening, and why is there tension between my spouse and I, and why is there friction between my kids and I, and why is the community going so crazy, and why is the government so, all this, and the devil's messing with everyone and just floating back in the distance, and we want to fight with each other. He says, no, no, don't do that. Stand in the Lord, armor up, and stand. stand. Just stand. Stand for what's true. The truth never changes, praise God. Okay, it doesn't adjust. There's no new version. It's not truth 2.0. Truth, okay? It's super cultural. It's timeless. God's established it. It's his word. And what he's looking for is guys and gals and men and women and people and families that would just say, that's the truth, and stand on it and get shot. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> that's what it's going to be. That's why you got that shield. And just stand in it. Say, yeah, that's truth. I'm not going to fight with you. Okay? I have... Don't raise your hand, but I've done some fighting in my Christianity with people that believe differently than me. I have argued, and I have gone to debates, and I have blah, blah, blah. I've done it. I don't have the, I'd rather just stand. You know, honor you where you're at, but this is the truth, okay? I'm not going to, this is the truth. And God will use your planting firm in what is true and what you believe about the issues that are being talked about in the world today. You don't have to fix it. Wouldn't that be horrible if we had to fix everything? I'm not serious. I'm, I'm kidding. Wouldn't that be crazy? You got to fix it. You got to legislate. You got to vote. You got to do. You got to fix it. What if he just says stand? Okay. And that will be a witness to the world of the righteousness that I have given to you, of the things that are right. Stand, stand, and be strong. And I would just ask you a few questions. How many of you guys had life kind of explode in your face recently? Just like relationships get stressed out or things go nutty or things just out of your control or maybe it's not even anything real. Maybe it's all just inside. You ever just been overwhelmed with darkness and anxiety, fear, trepidation, temptation? You ever just been sitting there having a normal day and all of a sudden you just feel like a criminal? You know, like, what the heck am I thinking? You know, you're questioning your salvation. You're questioning your humanity. Like, I just thought crazy thoughts. You know, what's happening? We're at war. There's a straight-up war going on right now, and sometimes we just don't act like it. And so he says, no, no, you got to put some armor on. you got to get the shield. you got to get the shoes. you got to get the belt. you got to get the helmet. you got to get the sword. you got to get the prayer. you got to get it all. But before he goes to the armor, before he goes to the armor, he tells us how to be strong. The armor will protect us. But imagine being protected and super weak. Wouldn't that be awesome? <laughs> no. Super weak person going out there fully armed and just getting pushed over. And he says, no, you got to get your strength established first, which is primary. And then you've got to get wore up and armored up and suited up. The primary thing he talks about first, though, in this battle is the strength that we find in the Lord. Look at verse 10. He says, finally, my brethren... Be strong in the Lord. When he says finally, he's wrapping up. It's a parenthetical thought. It's as if he's saying, because of all this stuff, because of you're so good in the Lord, because of his plan for your life, because of his provision for your sins, because of his power in your moving forward and being filled with the Holy Spirit, because of all this, finally, be strong. Be strong. Just be strong. And in a day, in an age, where Christianity and Christians in general don't seem to be that strong. It is a timely word for us to be strong in the Lord. To not give up, to not take flight, to not run, to not fall into sin and temptation so easily. Let me just ask you a question, kind of mess with you a little bit. Are you strong today? Are you a strong Christian? Think of some strong Christians in your life. How many you got? You got enough to fill both hands? Strong Christian. Somebody's like, man, that's just, that's just that, that girl, that gal, that mom, that woman, that grandma. Man, she is, that's, I got one. 
You know, or maybe you got two or three, or you got strong Christians, maybe some missionary leaders or pastors or authors or, you know, maybe real people that you know. Again, let's put it back to you. Are you strong? Would you consider yourself a strong person? Now, here's the problem. Most of you immediately started to answer your question based on how well you've been doing. Okay, listen. Most of you, when I said, are you a strong Christian? You're like, well, I don't read as much. And, you know, I kind of, I, I kind of, I love Jesus, but I cuss a little, you know. And, you know, <laughs> I don't, I don't really, I kind of, you know. And you started list, going through the list of stuff that you do. Did you notice when he says to be strong, the first thing he says is be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might, taking on the armor of God. It's all God. It's all God because you and I are guaranteed to be messy moving forward. When Jesus Christ began to build the church, it was in Matthew 16, when he asked Peter, hey, Peter, what do everyone around us say when they hear my name? What do people think of me? And Peter said, well, some, some think you're John the Baptist. He's dead, but they think you're alive. Some think you're Elijah. Some think you're Moses. Some think you're Jeremiah. Just, everyone has a different opinion. He said, what do you think, Pete? And Pete says, well, I think that you're the Christ, the son of the living God. I think you're the Messiah. I'm pretty sure you're it. He said, ooh. And Jesus pulled out of his pocket, if you would, the keys to the kingdom of heaven and gave them to Peter and said, that's a good answer. Flesh and blood have not revealed this to you, but my father in heaven has shown this to you. Here's the keys to the kingdom of heaven. And he knew that Peter, Peter, everyone say Peter. Peter, 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 pumpkin eater, Peter. <laughs> Peter would blow it. He's given the keys. And Peter, what's Peter going to do? He's going to run this thing into the ditch shortly. Just verses later, did you know that right after he handed him the keys, Jesus would have to rebuke him and call him Satan to his face? You know, Satan, get behind me. That's what he said to him, to Peter. Right. Did you know that our strength, I asked you if you're a strong Christian. You probably thought, no, I'm not. Our strength is not in our deeds, okay, but it's in our foundation. Our strength, your strength, your ability to get up daily, even when you fall daily. Because the Bible says in Romans chapter 6 that where sin abounds, grace abounds even more. Because God's bigger than your stuff. He's bigger than you. And if he could hand the keys of the kingdom of heaven to Peter and then declare to Peter, on this rock, I'm going to build my church. And he began to build the church on that declaration that Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God. And he began to build his church. But Jesus went on to say something interesting. He said, and the gates of hell shall not prevail. Let's just imagine this. The gates shall not prevail. Okay, prevail means to take over. The gates shall not take over. How many of you guys have ever seen a gate trying to take somebody over? Okay, maybe on like a YouTube video. Okay, gates, gates don't prevail. Gates don't attack. Gates are passive. Okay? And he said that the gates, the passive gates of Satan himself, will not prevail against the active foundation of the church. That when the church is established, as messy as it is, because Peter was a knucklehead, so are you. And as messy as the church is, God says, yeah, it's actually going to be real cool when you watch it in a time-lapse version. It's going to be real cool how it all goes down. And you watch Peter's life, and you watch your life, and you watch all of our lives in the power and in the strength of the Lord and his might. Jesus said the gates won't prevail. His point is, is that the church, when the church is established and standing, that's it, just standing, that the gates can't keep from the light penetrating and stealing and robbing souls out of hell. When the truth shines, the impact is seen and felt and known. How did you get saved? Truth penetrated your mind. 
Truth penetrated your eyes. Truth penetrated your heart. And you began to see the difference between lies and truth. And your heart was softened and you said, I like that truth stuff. That's true. And you went from your head to your knower. And your knower knew the truth. Your knower knows. And you begin to hear the truth, the truth, the truth. And the truth sets you free. The church, that's us, that's me, that's you. There's a war going on. And I'm asking you if you're strong. If you're strong in the Lord, because the church has been equipped to be a church that is on the move, that is strong in the Lord. Look at verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. I'm going to break these down for you so you really understand this. The power of his might and in the Lord. First of all, let's just talk about the supremacy of God. If you are in the Lord, okay, if you're in him, the Bible says in Romans chapter 8 that there is therefore now no condemnation for you. You're in the Lord. It's a done deal. You're set. You're saved. You're secure. Boom. It goes on in the same chapter, Romans chapter 8, to say that not only if you're in the Lord are you away from condemnation, but you are guaranteed all things are going to work together for good. Somehow, some way, in God's recipe of life, everything's going to be good for you. Crazy. Even the stuff that's not good, isolated and by itself, compared to and connected with and included with everything else. He also says that you as a Christian are guaranteed to be conformed into the image of his likeness. He also says in Romans chapter 8 that there's nothing formed that shall be able to separate you from his presence. Not death nor life, not big nor small, not up nor down, not in nor out, not nothing ever anything. He even says anything imagined. What? I can imagine some crazy stuff. (sighs) Your strength comes from being in the Lord. Now, if you believe this, okay, I'm not kidding you, and you wake up and you've blown it the night before, or you find yourself with some real tough stuff ahead of you, or you don't have all the answers, or you find yourself overwhelmed, or you find yourself attacked, taking on water, but you're in the Lord, (laughs) the smile can grow, and you can find yourself realizing, I'm good. Not because of me. I'm good in spite of me. Now, when you do this, when you have this kind of strength that is yours, because I asked you if you're strong. I said, what kind of Christian are you strong? And you probably instantly started thinking about your prayer time and all this and your weaknesses and your sin. And as soon as I take care of the sin, I'll be super strong, man. You know, I'm like, okay, that's cool. You know, and you should take care of that sin, duh. But your strength is in the Lord. And when you believe this and you stand in him, three things happen. Number one, when you're standing in the Lord, and that's where your strength is, not based on your own performance, but your stance in him. When that's where your strength comes from, you please God the Father. God is happy. All of you, whether you know it or not, you just want to make the Father happy. You want to hit it out of the park. You want to just crank one out. And God says, yeah, just stand in me. Even in your mistakes, stand in me. May your strength and your comfort be in me. Not do you only please the Father, but you witness to the people around you. Did you know that when you stand confident in God... When you truly believe that you're good, oh, I'm good, even though I'm out of control, even though I'm in debt, even though I just wrecked this, even though I'm overwhelmed, I'm in the Lord, man. I'm in the Lord, and he'll work this out. God stops all of heaven. says, stop right there. Everyone, come here, come here, come here, to the banister. Everyone, look, 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 look. Standing in faith in the midst of his stuff. Look, everyone, look. And God shows off your faith. It's impossible to please God apart from faith. It's impossible, but with faith, you can please the Lord. The third thing that happens, not only do you please God, not only do you encourage the people watching, but you also tick off the devil real bad. I'm not kidding you. When you stand in the midst of your stuff in the Lord, where's your strength come from? Is it from batting a thousand? Is it from doing perfect? Is it from never failing and never falling? I sure hope not. I sure hope, no. It is from standing in the Lord 
and you take the devil off and you encourage people and you glorify God and he's happy. You know what? I went into Lincoln County Jail uh, earlier this week to visit. <laughs> I'm a little crazy, but not that crazy, right? <laughs> and we'll see. And I went to visit. I went to visit one of our own, one of our guys. It's a friend of mine. We wrestled together. I coached his daughter on my soccer team. It's one of ours. He made some mistakes. He went too far. Broke the law. Got busted. Okay? It's one of ours. So he just went too far. And I went there, and there he is in tears, weeping, and we're crying together between the glass. And I said, look, I don't know what's going to happen. I'm going to advocate for you tomorrow at 430 in the, in the courtroom. Tomorrow I'm going to try and, you know, I'll do what I can. But worst case scenario, worst case scenario, you are still winning, okay, in the Lord. Okay? You're repentant, you're forgiven, you are still victorious. God's colorblind. He doesn't see your orange jumpsuit and my whatever I got on. He doesn't see a difference between us. He sees you standing in the Lord, confident, in the middle of your stuff. And he sees me and you and us standing in the Lord in the power of his might. And when I told this guy, I said, when you do that, that God's going to be, you're going to please the Father. And you're going to encourage the people up in heaven watching the host of heaven. Hebrews chapter 11 tells us that. The people around you, the cellmates that know this guy, he's a community member. The guards that know him, the people, what are you doing here? He's like, ah, ah, dealing with stuff. And you're going to take the devil off. He said, you you made some mistakes, you're here, but guess what? You're going to heaven when you die. You're anointed with the Spirit until then. You're a disciple of the Lord, and guess what? God's sending people to Haiti next week, and he's sending people to South Beach Church, and apparently he's sending people to Lincoln County Jail, okay? He's sending people everywhere. I don't care where you go. I don't care. I don't care. Be anointed. Be strong in the Lord. And he began to laugh. He said, the first time I've laughed in like four days, you know, I've been puking in here. I see it. I see it. I prayed with them. Are you a strong Christian? In the power of his might. These two words are interesting because power and might are different. Might is like reserved power. It's like when you see a bodybuilder just sitting in the gym, just huge and all just muscular. Muscular? That's a cool word. Muscular and massive. And just kind of like, just wow, that guy's got might, you know. It's kind of like how you guys look at me sometimes, you know. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. Thank you for the laughter over here. I appreciate that. Listen, but it's just, it's reserved power. You know, when you see a stronger, like, dude, they're not even doing anything. Did you know that you're God? has reserved power, I mean the might of our king, the might, the, pa- the be strong in the Lord. That's where I'm at. I'm not in Lincoln County Jail. He doesn't see the walls here. He sees Lincoln County Jail the same way he sees the walls of Walmart. You know, It's the same. You, know, you walk in, I'm still just anointed and in the Lord, and it's in the power of his might. <sighs> might is reserved power, and power is the exercise of that might when God's doing stuff. Where's your strength come from today? Are you a strong Christian? Ah, ah, you know, you start to check yourself. Or are you so confident in who your God is no matter what happens? Even if you blow it, even if you're like Peter, even if you're like our friend, even if you're like your pastor, even if, oh, oh, where's your strength come from? It comes from the Lord and the power of his might and the power. Your strength is in the might exercise, which is what he's doing. You guys know God's doing stuff right now. Right now, there's people getting baptized in less than a couple hours, okay, in the Alsea River, in Agate Beach. There's people getting baptized. We had a garage sale. Tons and hundreds of people came to the church here, and we're having a night of worship. We're sending people to Haiti. God is doing stuff all of the time, whether you feel like it or not. Where's your strength come from? Well, I got up early. Feel pretty good today. Got up at 10. You know? What? You know? Where's your strength come from? Is it in you or is it in him? He then tells us to put our armor on. He gets to that part, but he doesn't start there. He starts with the foundation. 
which is him, which is him. And he says it this way. He says, put on verse 13 or verse 11, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil, the wiles, the methods. Did you know that Satan is real good at what he does? Okay. On his business card, if he's ever to hand you one, it will say, hello, my name is the devil. I'm the father of lies. And I only intend to steal, kill and destroy from you. Would you like to make a deal? That's it. That's his MO. It doesn't change. It doesn't get any fancier or glossier. It's like steal, kill, and destroy, sometimes in different orders. That's what I'm here to do. He's, I've got to let you know, he's good at it. He's been doing it for centuries, millennials, generations. He's been doing it forever. And he's been doing it with patience, and he's learned all the tricks. And the thing about this word here, wiles, it means methods, different ways. Did you know that the devil has a method for you and for you and for you and for you and for me? Different methods. And he's so patient. Did you know that guys like me, people like you, he'll put a method on you that has a 20-year plan. We might not get them in day one, maybe even in year five, maybe not even year 15, but right around year 20, or maybe like King David, right around when he's in his 50s, 55. That's when we'll get David off course, and he'll start to take his armor off, and we'll get him to go down the road. He shouldn't go on. And Satan is so patient. He says, you got to be ready in the Lord, in the power of his might, and armored up to withstand the wiles of the devil. Now, we're going to learn about the armor in the next couple of weeks. I actually intended to teach all the way to uh, verse uh, 17 today. And um, I don't even think we've taught any verses yet. But uh, <laughs> let me just uh, explain to you some, some thoughts you can, you can process. And I hope you really get the, the core of this message. I'm 38 years old. I got a lot going. I got a wife and three kids. I got a great church, great community. I'm super excited about what's happening here. But most of you know me real little. You see my Facebook stuff. Okay, you know me. And I, I only ever let on Facebook the highlight reel, right? I'm like, I'm like you guys. Okay, here's the highlight reel. You know, what about the behind the scenes? No, that's deleted. No one sees that. And life's tough. Straight up, battle zone, war zone. I mean, it's crazy. In, inner stuff, physical stuff, relational stuff, community stuff, church stuff. It's pressure. It's heavy. Life is heavy. Heavy. It's war. I'm well aware of it. I hope you are too. Well aware of it. But because of my status in the Lord, not on stage, in the Lord, okay, Be- because of that, I can find myself smiling every single day, even in the midst of it, even in the midst of my mistakes, because it's not about me, it's about the Lord. And that message is what the world needs to hear today, because we are going fast downstream in a handbasket, right? I can't stop that. But what I can do is turn the lights on and say, there's some life rings. There's some truth. There's a way through this. We're all going to die and not all are going to die well, but we're all going to die. Some can die well. You put your eyes and focus and attention on God. It's not about you. It's about him and his gift. And the strength that comes from that is immovable. But there are ways that you can become stronger or weaker. Are there not? Not just with this armor. As a matter of fact, I consider myself a pretty strong guy. I like to work out. Physically, I go to do CrossFit, and I keep track of my records, and I make sure nobody beats me. It's a sick, competitive, weird part about me. That's, you know, I'm, I'm pretty strong, but let's be honest. I could be stronger. Okay, so could you. I could, be, I could do more. I remember when I got my hand raised for the very, very last time in my wrestling career, 1996, in Portland, Oregon. I remember when I got my hand raised. You know what the first thought went through my mind was? I could have done more. 
first, first thought, I could have done more. I could have done more. You can be stronger in your Christianity. You could also be weaker. Let me just go through a quick list. Because the foundation of the Lord is where our strength is. Be strong in the Lord, in the power of his might. No matter what situation you find yourself facing today or next week. When I met with our friend in Lincoln County Jail, he said, the tears streaming, this is big. This is big. It went too, I got too far. This is real, a big deal. And I said, yeah, I know. I know. But your salvation is intact, okay? Your anointing has not been revoked. Your discipleship, your call, it's still there. It's crazy. I know it's crazy. It's still there. You're forgiven. You're in a different place now, though. You can redeem this too. You're still strong in the Lord. And if you really want to please God, you'll forget all and trust him. That's an acronym for faith, forgetting all I trust him. I just trust him. But there are some things you can do to make yourself weaker, to make yourself stronger. Let me just give you a quick list before we run out of time. Here's one way to make yourself weaker in your spirit. It's just do too much, okay? Be spread thin, get busy, get frantic, get get frayed. This is super popular. It's like a sport here in in, uh, America, like just do too much. It's actually like a, it's it's like a derogative, a byword compliment. I I wanted to talk to you about it, just know you're so busy, as if it's like a good thing. It's not a good thing. You're going to become weaker if you're too busy. I don't even know what to do about it. Here's another way you can make yourself busy. Uh, Don't do enough. That'll make you weak. Just just don't be lazy. Don't do anything. Go into atrophy mode. Go into hibernation mode. In your spirit, don't do anything and you'll find yourself weaker. Here's another way to make yourself weaker. Uh, Get involved in meaningless and worldly activities. Just spin your tires doing stuff that doesn't matter. I'm not talking about just a little bit of therapy on the side and a little bit of, you know, I'm doing like a little, I got to go golfing, you know, once a month. I don't even golf, but maybe you do or something, you know. So little habits are fine. Hobbies are fine. But if you just get involved in stuff, that's just, what am I doing? Don't waste your life. Here's another way. Uh, hanging out with the wrong people. Don't raise your hand, but how many of you proved this one? Okay. You want to be weaker in the spirit? Hang with the wrong crowd. Okay. Oh, it's just, I'm a missionary to them. You know, it's like, no, you're not. <laughs> you know, you're not. You're, you're a bad missionary. It's, you know, it's, not, it's not working. And the Bible says bad company corrupts good character. It's a verse. It's the truth. Another way you could do this, take it a step further, is by being unequally yoked. You want to become weaker? Okay. You find a boyfriend or girlfriend that doesn't love the Lord. And I guarantee, it's, it's missionary dating. It's dating. It's dating. You know, it's going to be, you know. No, it's not. Okay. And you need to dump them today. And if, if you can't, I'll do it for you. So just <laughs> let me know. <laughs> I'm not messing with you. I'm not trying to be a weirdo, but there's a, a war going on. This morning when I saw the runners run by, okay, they all looked like runners. There wasn't one of them out there wearing like, you know, hiking backpack and, you know, a chainsaw strapped to his chest. And it was like, no, they were, they looked like they were runners. They were equipped. They were, they, they dressed properly for the course. And there's people and there's things we do in our lives. Like, I'm just going to take this on the journey. I'm going to take this into the war with me. It's like, I don't know if that's going to help you. That might slow you down. That will probably get you taken out. Let go of those things. Uh, here's another couple of things that will just make you weaker. Um, having a wrong attitude or doubt towards God's word. Okay? You want to be derailed, decommissioned, destroyed quickly? Just fight with God's word. I don't like it when it says that. I don't, I just, I don't like that. Really? Okay, guess what? Just so, just, just so you know on God's authority, you're wrong, it's not. Okay? You adjust to make it right. That's the, that's the proper order. God's word is timeless. It's been proven. 
If you want to be weaker, argue with it and have doubts towards it, a bad attitude around it, and you'll find yourself falling prey to everything. Uh, you can also find yourself getting weaker by having an unbalanced love of money, power, and comfort. Okay? Just, I just want this stuff and I need this stuff. If you have that, you'll find yourself. And this, oh, hey, welcome to America. This is our burden to bear. This affluence that we have and this comfort, it makes people soft. Let me just give you a quick list that will help you to be stronger. Because we can always be stronger in the Lord. In the power of his might. Here's some things you need to put into your routine this week. Uh, a steady diet of worship. And when you worship the Lord, not just in services like this one or the one on Friday, okay, 7 o'clock. You should all be here. Please be here. But, but when you just drive, I'm just going to worship the Lord right now. He's been so good to me. You know, hasn't the Lord been good to me? Hasn't the Lord been so good? And when you worship him in just humility, you'll find strength being yours. Steady time in prayer. Okay, this is the secret sauce where you pray for yourself. You pray for your spouse. You pray for your kids. You pray for your business. You pray for your town. You pray for your church. This discipline is largely ignored. Steady time in the word. If you're here today and you need to repent of your lack of the word in your life, you need to repent and say, Lord, give me time in your word that I might be strengthened and become nearer to you through that discipline. Steady time in fellowship. Okay, Christianity is not a, not a spectator sport. It's not an isolationist sport. It's fellowship one with another. Steady time in evangelizing. Don't raise your hand, but how many of you haven't shared your faith whether organically or on purpose, in the last year. You just haven't even shared it with anybody. It's just, did you know that if you don't evangelize, you will fossilize? If that, doesn't, if that flow doesn't keep happening, man, it's just going to get stagnant and weird in all kinds of different ways, okay? I'm not really into street witnessing anymore and going out and, like, you know, bulldogging people into the kingdom, you know, and fighting with them and, you know, wrestling them to the ground, making them cry. I used to do that <laughs> a long time ago. But just being honest, and, hey, what do you think about Jesus? Let me honor you. What do you think? Like, what do you really think? And then you hear them, and then you say, well, let me tell you what I... Just being evangelizing and let the flow of the Spirit... Here's another way you can get stronger is by... This is crazy, and this is actually really freeing, is to spend more time repenting. This will, this will make you so strong. To repent over the little things, the small stuff. To, to when you find your attitude gone out of control, or maybe you raised your voice or did something you shouldn't have done, just own it quick. Don't sweep it under the rug because eventually that rug gets real lumpy, okay? Just get into the practice of repenting to your spouse or to your God or to your kids or to your friends. Even just at the service before this one, I talked to a friend and he came up to me and apologized right afterwards. Just owned it right away. Just, oh, sorry about that. I'll never do that. Yeah, oh, so good. So good. Just get into that habit. You'll be a stronger person. <sighs> Giving and sharing. Did you know that the more you give and the more you share, the stronger you'll be? When you are stingy and selfish, the weaker you become. It's just the way it is. And our human nature says, well, I don't want to give too much or share too much. I'd rather receive and not share. And the Bible, and the Bible teaches that that's not the heart of our Father and not the way we're going to grow. That being said, I don't have time to keep going. I could keep going, but I'm not going to keep going. I've got people to baptize. So I'm going to have the worship team come up, and we're going to end with a song and with communion and with worship to the Lord. I'm going to have you guys bow your heads and close in prayer with me. Lord, I'm absolutely honored to be in the presence of your racers this morning, of your runners, of your battlers, of your warriors, of your men and your women, your people. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. God, and I pray for such a simple message to be owned today, 
that every man and every woman in here would not look at themselves and what they've done or haven't done, but they would be firmly founded on who Jesus is and what he's done in the Lord and the power of his might and then putting on his armor that he's provided. And I pray in Jesus' name, Lord, that you would anoint us with the supremacy of your sovereignty, that we would, Lord, see ourselves as those who can't be shaken. Nothing can shake us, even if it's shaking, even if we're in Lincoln County Jail. What kind of faith does it take to say, even though I've blown it, he hasn't. Even though I've fallen, he won't. Even though I can't, he can't. All of us, Lord, have that same opportunity today to tap out and say, it's not about me, it's about him. I pray for great humility, especially for those who are struggling, those who keep failing, who keep going back to the sights, keep going back to the sounds, keep going back to the scenes, keep going places they shouldn't go. Oh, oh, oh that's, ah, I can't, ah. Lord, I pray that the strength would be in you and in the power of your might. And I pray, Lord, that your might, that reserved power strength, would be exercised on lives even today. Even today, Lord, I pray if somebody here, you need power in your life. You need to overcome an addiction or overcome a thought process or overcome an anxiety or darkness. And you're about to armor up and you're about to man up and you're about to suit up and you're about to war up and you're excited. But today you just need the power of God. Would you raise your hand right now? Just raise your hand right now. You need the power of God to overcome your demons, your darkness, your battle. Raise your hand right now. You know who you are. Not everyone's hands are up. Some people are just overwhelmed right now. You know what race you're in. And Lord, I pray you'd bless and anoint those whose hands are up and may they, Lord, be strengthened in the Lord and the power of his might. And may we be equipped, Lord, to come against and to come around and to go through the wiles of the devil. May we find ourselves set free. Even now as we come to the table, you can put your hands on. Even as we come to the table and we celebrate what you've done for us, Lord, your death, your burial, your resurrection gives us the power to stand. We, we can stand because you, Lord, were killed. And because you didn't stay dead, but rose from the dead and have given to us, Lord, the power and the might. We do what we do now in worship, in an expectation, and in thanksgiving. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.